Hey, Graham. Hello. Now, tell me about our sponsor this week, please. Oh, yes, we've got a lovely sponsor this week. It is Recorded Future. Yay! Yeah, those are the guys who produce the Cyber Daily Newsletter, which you can get at recordedfuture.com slash intel. And they go scouring the web, looking for the latest information on new vulnerabilities and emerging threats. And then they deliver lots and lots of details about all that kind of stuff straight into your inbox. Super. Yeah. Where can I get it? Recorded Future. Dot com slash intel. Great. On with the show. Smashing Security, Episode 16, Wongaronga, with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Smashing Security number 16 for the 13th of April 2017. And as always, I'm joined by my buddy Carol. Hi, Carol. Hello. And we've got a special guest with us. Yes, we are joined by info security journalist Lisa Vass. How are you, Lisa? I am very well indeed, Graham. Thank you. <laughs> Great to have you on board. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, it's nice to have another woman on board. Oh, yeah. Am, yes. I, am I the first other woman? Yes, <laughs> and you're very welcome. This is epic. Personally, I, I would love to make this an all-female show. That would be my I dream. agree. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll order up the surgery for you, Graham. <laughs> so, Lisa, I, I'm, I, of course, you're a big fan of the show. I'm sure you're listening to it all the time, so you well know the score. Constantly. What we try to do is we try and uh, think about some of the interesting computer security stories we've seen over the last seven days um, and uh, give our opinions on them. And uh, a few things have cropped up. Um, but here's one which I has really caught my eye. Have you guys ever heard of these things called IMSI catchers? No. Yes. No? Yes. Oh, you see, Lisa knows all about these. Well, let me tell you. These are sneaky little devices which can spy upon mobile phone traffic. They sort of come in suitcase-sized boxes. And they can suitcase use suitcase size. Yes, <laughs> I don't even know what. Okay. Well, you know what size a suitcase? Imagine yeah. a suitcase. Right? Yeah, that's it, right? Yeah, uh, and that, so that's how big they are, and that they can act like a fake cell tower. And effectively, they get between your phone and your cell phone providers real cell towers, which means, of course, that they're fantastic for intercepting communications. They could also be used, of course, for sending fake messages to phones, not only intercepting messages, but also sending a fake message uh, oh. to someone which um, could have interesting consequences. Now, in the wrong hands... I think you'd agree that is a pretty powerful bit of kit, isn't it? Uh, yeah. I mean, is it powerful enough to intercept like thousands and tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of communications at one time? I well, mean, just... certainly uh, in the local area using that cell tower, yes, they would be intercepting all of that, depending on the power of the IMSI catcher. I just think think central London <laughs> or New York. It'd just be a bit busy. Well, actually, they... They just found them sprinkled around Ottawa. <gasps> really? Uh, <gasps> around Parliament, Parliament Hill. Yeah, and it's like where, where you can um, eavesdrop on all the politicians. Well, so, so these things are scattered around the world and they are used by different agencies. The good news is that the average Joe in the street isn't going to find it terribly easy to get hold of one themselves, right? They're, they're pretty expensive, uh, first of all. They can cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. I'm not sure the average Joe wants one, though. 
Well, no, but maybe the average Joe criminal or the organised criminal might want one, or indeed authoritarian states. And the reason why I'm talking mm. about MC Catchers uh, in this particular episode is that there's just been released an undercover Al Jazeera investigation. Al Jazeera TV have uncovered that firms are prepared to break global sanctions to ship this kind of surveillance and spying equipment to dodgy authoritarian regimes around the world. And of course, they're going to be used against their citizens. They're going to be used by rogue nations to spy upon activists, political rivals, dissidents. And Are they naming and shaming the firms that are prepared to do this? Or yes, are they- yes, they are. So let's take a quick listen, actually, to some of the report right now. The communication of your targets send fake short messages our undercover reporter exposes the spy merchants willing to sell powerful eavesdropping equipment to anyone willing to pay. Europe's most advanced producers of spyware explain how they circumvent international sanctions with ease. First, we are okay with the Iran. Of course, it's subject to export restrictions. But this is something that we can manage. We hear of the damage that surveillance technology can do to democracy. These are the deals putting our privacy at risk. I find it unacceptable. I would like to see transparency in this very, very dark and dangerous market. The safeguards protecting our private life are disappearing. These are the nuclear weapons of the 21st century. The surveillance state is the acid that eats out democracy from within. Inside the spyware game. Big money, dirty tricks, and a legal structure unable to control who is spying on you. So the full report lasts something like 45 minutes, and I'd recommend people go and check it out on YouTube if if you don't get Al Jazeera TV. Um, But they do name and shame some of the companies who they spoke to, including companies in Italy. And you think, hang on, you know... (laughs) What are the Italians doing, doing this kind of thing? Well, there are a number of agencies in Italy or corporations who are building surveillance equipment. There's a sort of mini industry out there. Okay. And what Al Jazeera discovered was it was relatively straightforward to buy millions of dollars worth of this surveillance equipment from three companies, two in Italy, one in China, and then they were buying it on behalf of governments in Iran and South Sudan, um, Iran, there are global sanctions against them. South Sudan, there's uh, uh, there's obviously been a, a lot of unrest and there's been a, a lot of spying upon people because of the, the many deaths which have been going on down there. And it's far easier to, for those sort of countries to get hold of this kind of equipment if they want. In one case, uh, the Al Jazeera guy, what Al Jazeera actually did was they found an insider, someone who worked inside the industry. They called him only James. And so he's filmed throughout the report in sort of shadow and they've given him sort of a computery kind voice. Um, but, uh, but he was the guy who was actually meeting these guys, secretly filming them as they were discussing it. And he even came across one Chinese based company who said, we don't actually care who your customer is, which meant that potentially it may not just have been a dictatorship. It could have been an organised criminal gang. It could even have been terrorists who are using this information. So what you're saying is there are standards set up and these companies are deliberately 
bypassing those sanctions. So there are sanctions in place for a number of countries who are considered not the kind of people you should be given surveillance equipment to. Also, you have to apply for export licenses. Any technology uh, which is encrypting or decrypting information, you have to be very careful where you sell it around the world because it could be used potentially for these sort of nefarious purposes yeah, makes sense. as well. Yeah. But what these companies are doing is, it appears they're doing, is that they are making it easier. They're, look, they're finding ways for the regulations to be bypassed or ignored. They're using grey markets. And so what they might do is they say, look, you can't buy this directly from us in Italy. So we can't sell this to you in Sudan, for instance. But if you had a company in Tanzania... who Like bought a partner software, or something, a business partner. Either or... a business partner or something like that. If they bought it, then they could give it as a gift to Sudan. Or they could give it to the people in Iran. Or you could buy it from our manufacturers in Turkey who may find it easier to get an export licence than we would in Italy because this kind of thing is... Obviously, governments are trying to crack down on this kind of thing. But it looks like these companies, so much money at stake, they are finding ways in order to sell it. And these guys obviously have been doing it quietly and they've just been outed and now they're scrambling. Well, now, of course, they're issuing the statement saying, oh, well, you know, even if our salesperson said that he had no authority and we would have acted entirely within the law, well, I'll let you be your own judge when you watch the video as to how believable you actually find that. In one case, uh, one of the companies actually said, this guy who came to us and talked to us about purchasing this, we identified him as potentially an employee of a rival firm. And so we were just stringing him along and we were never planning to sell anything to him. And you're kind of like, come on. <laughs> The, the truth is, money talks in this business, and people are prepared to do anything if the right greenbacks are on the table. Well, yeah, and yeah, I guess right. it's quite a good idea. It's quite good that it's the size of a suitcase, because it's not something you can just hide out easily without it being detected in a corporate or political environment. And, it, and in some cases, what they're doing is they're packaging the tools as dual-use technology. So they may claim, oh, this isn't an IMSI catcher, this is a Wi-Fi router. Yeah, But they'll do special versions which don't have the logo on the box because they're paranoid about the box being identified and it being worked out where it came from. They're producing documentation without the logos on of the company. Again, so it's sort of white-labeled stuff because they don't want it coming back to them because potentially... Not only could they be making tens of millions of euros, but also potentially they could end up serving jail time as well. Hmm. So it's it's a pretty sick world out there. and I. Obviously, there will be people listening to our podcast who work in security and may even work for some of these firms who produce this kind of technology. And I I guess what we're really saying is if if you're one of those people, I'm sure from time to time you're questioning whether you're doing the right thing. And I'd, I'd argue that, you know, you need to change your company from the inside or you need to get out of that company. Could I just insert a quick interesting tidbit I found when I was writing about this stuff as it was ha- happening up in Canada. And that is that the, the way that they found these, um, these catchers sprinkled throughout town and at Montreal airport was that they used this gadget called Cryptophone. That's out of a uh, German company. I forget the name. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it actually kind of turns the tables. It actually can find the use of IMSI catchers in an area. The CBC uh, in their investigation, talked to the U.S. supplier of these these devices to catch these things, and he analyzed the stuff they were finding in Ottawa and Montreal, and said, "Oh, this has got the um, stamp of a, a Chinese IMSI 
catch right. it. It's, I just found it interesting to see this, like, oh, you can actually find something that catches the catchers with that crypto phone. Well, as as is often the case, I suppose, in computer security and privacy, it's a bit of an arms race, isn't it? As As one side develops something to snoop upon the other, the other side will tr attempt to find ways to detect that they are being snooped upon. Mm. Okay, Lisa, what have you got up your sleeve for us today? Okay, well, I don't know if you guys saw this thing on Slashdot, but it was like this huge database, nearly a million records of mostly diabetics was found online. And um, a developer left this telemarketer, uh, well, the telemarketer went out of business, didn't pay its like filing fees in Florida and just went belly up. Okay. And um, a developer who was working with the telemarketer for some reason left with a copy of the database. And we're, we're talking about a database that has incredibly sensitive information in it. Right. It's got uh, social security numbers, names, e email addresses, w whether you're on insulin or not. Do you have sleep apnea? Um, oh, are wow. You, are you being assisted by a, a, a healthcare aide or by a child? What's their name? So what I mean, what what springs to your mind? Probably what springs to my mind is this is just a gold mine for fishers. So yeah. you know, somebody could call you up, and it's happened in the past. Like somebody would call you, and they they know your doctor's name, and yes, doctor's names were included in this recently exposed database. How did the telemarketers, where was the database from? Was it, it belonged to the telemarketers or were they working in cahoots with some other, in a firm or? ZDNet did a really good investigation with uh, databreaches.net and they also joined up with Have I Been Pwned, you know, that, that mm -hmm. lookup site where you can find out yeah. if your stuff's been exposed in a breach. Um, so so the database did belong to the telemarketer. So it comes from them. They didn't necessarily break any laws. There there aren't necessarily like databreaches.net, which is run by this licensed healthcare professional who's really interested in um, security when it comes to medical stuff. Yeah. Um, like he pointed out, he or she pointed out that, um, that we don't know that any laws have been broken. What it sounds more like to me is sort of like this neglect of data. Lisa, but, let me understand. Yeah. The, the developer has got the data. Yep. And what did he do with it? Ha, ha, I mean, okay, so it's bad that he's got it. He parked it on an Amazon Web Services instance on an IP address that he owned. Oh. And it points to, um, it, it was one of those in, in intentions to have a business that provides um, database solutions for medical uh, suppliers. But um, he said, he told Zach Whitaker over ZDNet and um, the databreaches.net data blogger that um, it just was, it was too gnarly. It was too hairy, the, the, the creation of things. So he shelved it. He left it on this AWS instance and it wasn't encrypted. Oh, so it was accessible effectively to the world. Was yeah, it? for months, for months. Oh, um, for goodness sake. So how did somebody find it? Well, there right. was this, this Twitter user called Flash Gordon who um, was playing around with Shodan. And you guys know what Shodan is. Yeah, It's that search engine for everything that's internet connected that comes up with this lovely index of 
insecure open services online. So the message to developers and obviously to companies is don't be sloppy with data, you know, handle it with care, obviously. And uh, once you've no longer have any use for it, destroy it, etc. But what's what sort of advice can we give the regular man and woman in the street regarding this? Well, you know, it's kind of tough. I mean, I'm a diabetic myself, so I'm very sensitive to how expensive the supplies are. And if you're mm. in the US, my mm. advice is move to Canada. <laughs> if you can't move to Canada, um, then you've got to be really mindful of the information that you give telemarketers. I mean, these people are coming at at elderly people who probably aren't real cash flush. And they're saying, oh, we've got these um, discount programs for diabetic supplies. And those supplies are super, super expensive. I I know lots of people in the Facebook forums for diabetics that like say, oh, go to this one, go to that one. I would would suggest that instead of handing over your your doctor's name and your social security number, your taxpayer ID, all that jazz, just back away from somebody calling you or even talking even making these calls, talk to the drug companies themselves. If you're in the U.S., they know that that's a, it's an issue to, to pay for this stuff. And many of them have programs that can help. At, le- at least I am aware of the, such programs at uh, insulin makers such as Lilly. When you think about somebody calling you um, and wanting really specific, really intimate knowledge about you, 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 might, you, you don't even know if the caller is legitimate. If you think your details might have been doxxed, you can always go look up your email or your name on Have I Been Pwned, because Troy Hunt over there has uploaded the whole database. Okay. Um, and if, if you've been doxxed, if your information's out there, um, yeah. I would suggest a fraud alert. That's particularly important because there's no company left over that can pay for that fraud alert for you, or that's going to necessarily uh, yeah. reach out and tell you that it's been done. I mean, they do have like something like... 391,000 unique email addresses in that database. And at least that's a start to reaching out to people. But who exactly is going to do the reaching out now? Right. So unlike a regular breach, where hopefully a company would contact you and say, oops, sorry, we normally take security really seriously, but this time we goofed up. There is no company still existing to warn you. So we're really reliant upon journalists and podcasts and ZDNet and and others to to get the word out there. We've got this great resource in Have I Been Pwned run by Troy Hunt where people can enter their email address and find out if their details have potentially been leaked as a result of this as well as obviously checking with many of the other breaches which have occurred. And generally, the advice of people is just be really careful of people ringing you up out of the blue trying to, you know, uh, sell you medication to do with your diabetes, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, God. What a terrible world it is. Carole, this I hope- is not a very fun episode. <laughs> no, well, I'm, Carole, I'm hoping, Carol, that you've got a much more cheery thing to talk well, to us about. Have you? Well, you know, not really. It's another... <laughs> and I'm sorry about that. You know, I'll try and make it as light as possible. Okay, oh, so okay. I know how to start this. Lisa, Lisa. So, Graham, don't say anything. Okay. Lisa, yeah. tell me, what does wonga mean? Do you know that term, wonga? Wonga. I, you know... Off the top of my head, I think it's a, a move that you do in, when you're doing z- Zumba dancing. <laughs> is that correct? No, that's not it. Wonga uh, <laughs> no. is a term we use in the UK to mean, Graham? Money. Exactly. Cash. cash. Oh. Spondoolies. 
Exactly. <laughs> Shinola. <laughs> I don't know. With a loan from Wonga.com, you decide the amount you want, how long you want it for, and we tell you exactly how much it'll cost up front. Clear as day. So there's no hidden charges or nasty surprises. No one likes nasty surprises. Oh! You know I hate drum and bass. Cash loans you control. Wonga.com. There's Straight a company here in the UK as well, also that sports the name Wonga, um, and they have just suffered a massive data breach. 245,000 customers have been affected by this data breach. Um, now, Wonga basically offer, they're like a payday loan company, so they have high-cost credit, short-term loans. Um, and during this breach, which we actually don't know a lot about yet, I'll get to that in a second, but what seems to be um, stolen was name, email address, home address, phone number, the last four digits of your credit card, your bank account number, and sort code. Oof, right? Ouch. Yeah, nasty. Yeah, it's a lot of stuff. So, of course, how did this happen? So they're saying they take customer data and security very seriously and that, you know, cyber attacks, unfortunately, are on the rise. Uh, on the rise, rather. So, uh, so that's yeah. all right, then. Yeah, so yeah, it's okay. Yeah. We're just... Yeah, exactly. One- you know, attacks are on the rise, so it's very unfortunate. But, you know, these things yeah. happen is basically what they're saying. And I think this is really surprising for a kind of, you know, a financial institution, which normally do take, you know, take security really seriously. Now, we don't know exactly what's happened. I mean, Wanga did tell uh, TechCrunch that um, they're investigating illegal and unauthorized access to personal data. But that doesn't necessarily tell us whether it was an attack via their website or zero day or vulnerability or whatever. Um, interestingly, they have a section on their website about how secure their website is. And uh, it starts with, our website is extremely secure. So <laughs> I hope for their sake. Um, yeah, boy, can you imagine if this is a SQL injection attack, like yeah. so many are, which is obviously a yeah. very, very old tried and trusted method. It's sort of thing you learn on Security 101, your first day as a, a web security expert, uh, how to protect against that. If it's something like that, that's going to be embarrassing. Of course, it might not be that sort of technology. It could be maybe... Because they haven't really told us, have they? It, it could be an insider inside the organization, yeah. something like that. But oh, and, and you know what? Websites. What's really upsetting? Like Wanga is normally used by people that have cash flow problems, right? You use it because you know maybe you can't meet your rent and you need to get it out quickly, or this kind of thing. So mm. it's not people that have a lot of uh, extra dosh lying around. Um, mm. And now a lot of their details uh, can be used. I mean, their home address is is there, right? Their phone numbers, everything. Yeah. So advice for anyone who's been affected by this. Uh, first, our apologies. It sucks. <laughs> um, um, but uh, so we looked, I looked up at Wonga. I do have an FAQ page at Wonga. I actually do have something on their homepage saying if you've been affected, go here. It leads to their FAQ. Um, they think your account is secure and that you do not t- need to take any action. Um, I would suggest that you change your password. Um, and, you know, this is a very good time for those of you that may have used this password elsewhere to make sure that those are, you know, change those to unique passwords. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Just in case. Just in case. Never Just- use the same password, folks. Yeah, seriously, this is the exact reason because they could try if they had access to that password, they could use it in, you know, using your username and your email address, which how many how many people use their email address as mm-hmm. their username. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Wanga also say they're going to be alerting financial institutions um, on the issue, etc. But I think that everyone would be wise to contact them themselves, contact your bank, tell them to look out for suspicious activity, tell them your name's on the list and that you've been impacted by this. 
Um, I'd also suggest keeping a record, actually, of any conversations you have with people, with banker, if you call. Actually, uh, Wonga, Wonga say if you have any questions, you can call them. And uh, an article in The Sun today was saying that, in fact, that it's, a, it's a pay for line. So it's not a free toll line. Um, and, and people calling from mobiles can pay up to 55p. That's 70 cents a minute. And one guy spent 40 <laughs> minutes on the phone. So if he'd called from one of those pay plans, it'd be like 20 quid or 25 bucks for that's, the privilege. That's Maybe almost as expensive as taking out a Wonga loan, actually. Isn't it? 1,000% interest rate. Maybe uh, it's part of their business plan. Maybe this is like a genius idea for marketing. I mean, do people do that in the States? Lisa, is that heard of? Like if you had a big data breach, would it not have a free toll line to, for, for customers? Yeah. I have never but, heard of this happening anywhere that you get yeah. charged for this. Never. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I think it's outrageous too, but I am Canadian. So there you are. Um, now the other the thing you guys want to watch out for here, really just last piece of advice is you want to watch out for lateral attacks, right? So these are people now who might want to try and reach out to you via email or call you on the phone or send you a letter that may be requesting information from you that looks official or new social connections. So you just got to be on your on your guard and watch out for this stuff. Because that's the kind of thing we've seen with past breaches like TalkTalk, Talk, for instance. TalkTalk, Talk, British telecom exactly. company, mm-hmm. been hacked horrendously. And what happens is the scammers have got your phone number and they maybe know something about your account details as well. They ring you up. They may pretend to be from the company that has been breached. And that way they can gather additional information because, of course, they they can reassure you that, oh, they're legitimate because they know the last four digits of your card number or they know your bank account number and sort code. They know your home address. And it can be very convincing. And people often can be fooled by someone who calls them up on the phone, things that they maybe wouldn't believe if it arrived in an email. Yeah, totally. So be be on your guard for that. And I mean, it's not. And the other thing is, it's, I don't think it's all Wonga customers that have ever been infected. So if you are concerned, go to their website and check. I think it, there's people in, I think Poland, yes. database in Poland and in the UK that have been impacted, but not all of all of uh, Wonga's customer base. Yes, uh, although it, it does include some former customers as as well. I believe exactly. Is that, is that right? Yes. Yes. So, so if, if you've ever used Wonga. Right. You'd be wise to go. I know that's the thing. This is what's is. This is not just people that use it, uh, you know, regularly. This is if you've used it once your name and, you know, your details could be um, in the wrong hands now. Turns out that loan you took out of Wonga could have been even more expensive than uh, you ever imagined. eh? Right. Um, And hey, you can call them up and give them a bit more money. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one thing that comes to you for free, of course, is our podcast. Hey, we don't charge anybody for our podcast. Completely free. And you can subscribe to us on iTunes. You could leave a review if you like as well. You can. We're also available in many other podcast apps too, um, including now iHeartRadio. If you have iHeartRadio, you can check us out there as well. Please do uh, check us out and subscribe, and that way you'll always get the latest episode in your podcatcher. And big thank you to our sponsors, Recorded Future. You can sign up for their Cyber Daily newsletter at recordedfuture.com slash intel. Well, that just about wraps it up. Thanks very much for tuning in. Thank you, Lisa, for joining us for our episode today. Really appreciate having you uh, available and sharing your stories with us. Thank you. Always a pleasure. uh, Cheers. And if you like the show, tell your friends. Follow us on Twitter. We're at Smash In Security on Twitter. That's Smash In without a G security. And until next time, toodaloo. Bye bye. 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 (laughs) (laughs) It's so awkward. (laughs) I love the awkwardness. We can always edit it. We can always edit it off my bye if you like. 
We don't have You're to. You're just looking for B-roll. I am, really. I am. I, oh, this is going to go out. Theme tune. <laughs> <laughs>